you know, and the, the, it's awesome to be here together this morning. And I think sometimes when we're in the wilderness, we don't see that there's a backside to it. We don't see the end game. And for a lot of reasons, we don't see the end game. You know, probably, what, just two weeks ago, we were sitting in our homes freezing cold, thinking that snow was never going to go away. And yet, just a few days later, it's 50 degrees, the sun is shining, and I'm watching kids walk into my building in shorts and t-shirts and, and uh, just excited for the springtime. And so that hope that we have when we're in the wilderness is based in Christ. And so this morning, I get an opportunity to share about Joseph. Over the last few weeks, a little recap of uh, where we've been in this series. I'm very thankful for Tim. He's done an awesome job of putting this series together and, and, and preaching it and really connecting it to our lives and connecting it to the New Testament. We're going to hopefully do a little bit of that today. So um, I know some of the small groups have been uh, actually reading the passages ahead of time. So you guys are going to hold me in check a little bit, which is cool. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, and if you have not read through Genesis lately, I would strongly encourage you to do that. And, and I, I think it's just a uh, Any time that we can get into Scripture and, and have it sink in, uh, it's a positive experience for us. And so in, in those weeks, we've seen where Adam and Eve uh, exposed the original sin, the sin that put them and us into the wilderness and the need for a Savior. And as we looked at uh, Cain and Abel brought sin into it and broken families to the forefront. Then Noah put uh, into the wilderness through the state of the world. And even though it wasn't his fault, he was faithful and kept following God's directions. And then last week, we saw where God tested Abraham and the awesome connection to our need for a sacrifice and what Christ did on the cross. And so this week, as we jump into Joseph, uh, uh, as I was preparing, I started thinking about uh, just some of the messages that we have and, and the, the birth order. And old, the, the oldest siblings, the youngest siblings, and um, my, my wife Heather and I, at times when we're sitting at home in the evenings, I'll hear her all of a sudden chuckling over there on the, on the couch. And I'm like, well, what are you laughing about tonight? And she's looking at her phone, maybe a TikTok video. If you don't like TikTok, I apologize. But maybe a TikTok video or an Instagram video. Um, but there's a guy out there that does some things on uh, birth order. And this one I felt, uh, these two I felt were very important or very um, appropriate in that uh, there was snow on the ground at the time that I had started preparing this. And so uh, the tech guys queued up a couple of videos, just want to take a look at these. This is going to take forever if that's how you're going to do it. Who cares? There's a much more efficient way to shovel. Why, no, why do you have that? You guys missed a spot. Why don't you come help us? Yeah, no thanks. Mom, I'm out of marshmallows. <laughs> so. We'll get done quicker if we go left to right. It doesn't matter. It does too matter. You guys missed a spot. So, so a little humor this morning, but how true is some of that? Uh, and uh, uh, full disclosure, I'm the youngest of uh, four. And so, yeah, I'm the guy sitting back with the coffee asking mom for more marshmallows and telling them you didn't do it quite right. Um, but how many oldest, the oldest in your family do we have in here? Awesome. How many of the youngest in the family do we have in here? Okay, awesome. Uh, oh, yeah, almost forgot the middle child. Uh, how many in the middle? <laughs> sorry, sorry, Caitlin, I love you. 
Um, but that's, that's always a joke in our family. And, and I think that you look at some of those things, and it's just really interesting to see how different kids react and respond differently from that birth order. And, and it is pretty incredible how God created us all individually, and we all have our individual styles. Um, and so uh, as we move into the story of Joseph, one of the things that... Um, I looked at was, uh, I'm sorry, I got lost here just for a second, uh, but this morning as we study the life of Joseph, every time uh, I stand up here, I get nervous, and, and I get nervous about the fact that I don't feel prepared to be up here and, and share God's word, and so I would just ask that we just pray together quickly as we prepare to, to uh, hear God's word uh, through me. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for the opportunity to come today. I thank you for each person that made the choice to be here this morning. And Lord, um, feel very inadequate this morning, but yet I know that these words are yours, and I ask that you use them to uh, have an impact on somebody sitting here this morning that we could apply to our lives, Lord, and just pray that you would receive all the glory and honor in Jesus' name I pray, amen. And so, um, if you would take your Bibles, turn to Genesis 37, 1 through 11, and as you're turning there... I would ask you to maybe think about a few questions. Um, what do you remember about the story of Joseph? What jumps out to you? And anybody can yell out something. Coat of money and colors. Thank you. What else? He was the favorite, for sure. And that's stated in there. We're going to talk about that. He was sold into slavery. Betrayed by his brothers. Tough. Ended up being king. He was elevated to a high level in that country for sure. He forgave his brothers. Love it. Okay, we're going to hit on all those topics this morning. I must have done okay. So that's awesome. Thanks for uh, being willing to share those things. And uh, as we uh, are, pre as I was preparing for this, um, Maris, I know in the in the kids' life, does an awesome job in there. And there's a story uh, on the front of your bulletin, and I should never direct you to that when I'm up here talking, but at some point, I would encourage you to read that story. If you don't read those weekly, you should. You should be encouraged by that, but I'll reference that here in a second, but I've got a short video that I want to show you. This is the end of a video that they're going to see in kids' life this morning, and then parents, we're going to talk about what that looks like, so go ahead and play that. So in case you missed it, here's the quick version. Joe is his dad's favorite. His brother sold him. Potiphar put Joe in charge. Joe was sent to jail. The guard put Joe in charge. Pharaoh had a bad dream. Joe told him what it meant. Pharaoh put Joe in charge. Joe's brothers had to come to him for food. Joe forgave them. This was part of God's rescue plan. And that's a part of God's story. Whew, okay, let's pray and we're done. No, uh, that, was, that was the quick side of things. Um, but I want to stress that this story that's on the front of our bulletin this week Tom is a guy that's in there every Sunday working with our kids. He's committed to our kids. I've subbed in there. Those kids love him in there. And um, every Sunday, we have a lot of different workers back in there. And they are developing a love for Christ in our kids. And parents, I wanted to show that video this morning because I want you to take an opportunity and don't miss an opportunity every Sunday to ask them, what did you learn in kids' life? 
And maybe you're able to talk, and the reason why we asked for that video to be shown in there today is so that as we wrap up this lesson today, there's an opportunity to f share as a family and discuss as a family the life of Joseph and the impact that it has on us. So I would encourage you to do that. Also along with that, if you're sitting here and say, well, I don't have kids in there, okay? Well, then we've got a job for you. Our job as a church is to come around our young families and our kids and develop each other. And so if you're not connected here at Riverview, I would strongly encourage you to get connected. And even if you don't think, boy, I couldn't teach, Maris lays everything out thoroughly for you and just get in there and help and love on kids. That's what we need to be doing here. And I would strongly, strongly, strongly encourage you to consider that volunteer somewhere here in the program. Okay, let's jump into Genesis uh, 37, 1 through 11. Uh, Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his other brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. I want to pause just for a second. <laughs> Dads, moms, okay, bad plan to make one the favorite, okay? Uh, you know, I love in our family, the kids would always banter about who the favorite was. And we kind of enjoyed it. We would get a kick out of it. But at some point, Heather would always pause and say, Guys, you know that we love you all the same. And I remember at some point, I can't remember where I saw this, but there was a grandfather, and I don't know if he was a coach or what it was, but he was being interviewed, and they asked about favorites. And he made the comment, and this has really stuck with me, that the goal is, is that every one of those grandkids thinks that they're the favorite. And so we show that love to them. And how awesome is that for a relationship between a grandchild and a grandparent. And so I would encourage that. So again, bad, bad plan to put one up as the favorite. So back to verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold... Your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us, or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept, saying, kept the saying in mind. So whew, there's a lot there. And that first child, that blessing, you know, not only did Jacob state that he was his favorite, he made him a coat and he wore it so that everyone would know. And I, I kind of picture in my mind Joseph kind of walking around with that coat thinking, yep, brothers, I'm the favored one. 
And can you imagine what that would feel like for the brothers? And even Jacob, you know, at some point there where he says, whoa, 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 I, your mom and I are going to bow, bow down to you? How's that going to work? And, but yet you sit there and think, well, Jacob, you got him the coat. You, you, you very clearly stated he was the favorite. And so there's, there's some fault here on all sides of this. Um, so as, as we look at this, uh, I'm the youngest of four. I think we have a picture of me, my dad, and my two brothers. Um, that is uh, a picture that we happen to take at each of our three weddings for the three boys. My sister, love her, Denise is awesome. Uh, she was not a basketball coach. The other uh, three of us were, and my father was a longtime basketball coach. There's a lot of things I love about this picture. The first one, Heather, is that almost 32 years ago, this was our wedding day, and so I got to keep that as the favorite. Um, but having the basketball in there between the four of us, it was something that brought the four of us together. It was something that we did as a family, and, and we're able to impact lives through the game of basketball. It wasn't about winning and losing. It was truly about developing character and, and hard work and all those things in kids that we were able to come in contact with. The thing that I truly love about this picture is, and this is in all of our wedding pictures, Jesus across the top on the banner is in every one of those pictures. And that that is the center focus of what we should be um, as Christ followers. And so as I look at this picture, it's also my favorite because my two brothers are taller than I am and dad and I were about the same size. And so in this picture, we're all kind of level there. And uh, of course, the last thing I love about it is I still had brown hair back then. Um, and, and that went away a long time ago. Um, but again, I, I think that idea of <clears throat> family and knowing that we are all loved equally is critically important. So the story is going to continue. We're going to fly through a lot of this story, and we're going to focus primarily on the relationship of the brothers. Uh, there's a lot in here about father, son, and that, and, and we may get to that at another time. But for time's sake, we're going to buzz through this fairly quickly. So in Genesis 37, 25 to 28, it says, Then they sat down to eat, the brothers, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our, other, our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let, us not, or let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. So, so contemplate this for a second. They're all sitting around and they're chatting about what they're going to do with their brother. They had agreed that they were going to just wipe him out. They were going to kill him. They were going to be done with him. And one of them has the awesome idea of, well, maybe we shouldn't kill him. Okay. And again, you're sitting around with a group of brothers here. You would hope that more would step up and say, whoa, 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 we're going too far here. And, but one of them at least said, we're not going to kill him. And there's a profit here to be made, potentially, if we sell him off. And it accomplishes, in their minds, the same mission. And so uh, we continue on in verse 28. Then um, Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. Jump down to verse 36. 
Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of the Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. So think about that, 20 pieces of silver. I know Jesus was sold or betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. And I don't want to get into the significance of that other than the fact that no human should be bought. There should be no dollar amount that could buy a human being. And as we look at the lives, even today, in human trafficking and the awfulness of that, we need to step up and fight that anywhere that we can. But as we look at the story continuing, um, in Genesis 39, verses 4 through 7, it says, So Joseph found favor in his sight, talking to Potiphar, and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for, Jacob, for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. So think about this again. Joseph is dad's favorite. He's put into a pit. He's sold. He's sold to Potiphar. And all of a sudden, he, he, he works hard, and he's put in charge of absolutely everything that Potiphar owns. And so he's probably thinking, hey, th this might work. This is, this is okay. I miss my brothers. I miss my dad. But this is kind of okay. And so things are starting to go up for him. And he's thinking, this isn't a bad solution here. And I think in life, sometimes we sit here and we see some ups and downs. And we're at the top, we're thinking, oh, this is okay. And when we get down to that bottom, we, we really, it's an opportunity to step away and start blaming people, start getting frustrated. Okay, and so as we continue on, and this is the part, quickly downhill, um, verse, got to get the right one here. Uh, continuing on with verse 6 and 7. Now Joseph had, was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. <laughs> so here he is. He's back up at the top. And all of a sudden, he is tempted. He is given a directive from his owner's wife, or from, yeah, from his owner's wife, saying, Lie with me. He doesn't have good options here. There's two options. He can disobey the owner's wife, or he can obey and lose his master's trust. Two options. Neither one of them are good. Fortunately, he chose the first option, and that first option was, I'm going to disobey his wife and runs as fast as he can. When he does that, Unfortunately, his wife makes up a story. We're going to jump in at verse 19 and 20. It says, As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And there he was in prison. So as I was called about teaching uh, for this week, uh, it was right before Christmas, and, and um, I, I've got a mentor. I've talked about him, I think, every time I've been up here. But Ralph is, 
is just such a, a, a good, solid friend. And he's a guy that I would hope that everybody in this church would have somebody that you can turn to when you're in trouble or when things are good, to be an encourager and to walk alongside this thing we call life and this Christian walk. And Ralph is a guy that has always kind of held me accountable. But I uh, called Ralph and I said, hey, I'm going to have a chance again to teach. And I said, I'm excited about it. I'm going to teach about Joseph. And the first words out of his mouth, he didn't even hesitate. He said, what you meant for evil, God used for good. And that was the first words out of his mouth. And we're going to come back to that here in a second. And then one day, uh, just uh, about a week and a half ago, he called me at work and he said, hey, are you going to be at work tomorrow? And I said, yep. And he said, good, I'm going to stop over. He drove uh, 30 minutes over and he came walking in and he came walking in with a book. And he said, I want to drop uh, this book off to you. And he kind of processed through me a little bit uh, about the book that he had read. And I want to make sure I say the right name here of the book. Um, it is called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And in that book, uh, the, the author challenges the reader to think about the story that we want told about ourselves. He talks about Joseph and his story, and he added this quote that's up on the board. I was kidnapped and sold into slavery. I was a victim, but decided not to live like a victim. I decided to trust God and do the best I could with what I had. What an awesome line. And when you think about that, that so many times... It's easy to become the victim. It's easy to become poor me, poor me, poor me. And instead, look at, I'm going to trust God to take me through this and take me out of this wilderness that I'm currently in. And so, as the story goes on, uh, early on in his time in prison, he interprets a dream for one of Pharaoh's men. Uh, that man gets out of prison, and I'm sure Joseph is thinking, here we go. This is my ticket out. We're going to start to see some light at the end of the tunnel. That snow is going away. We're going to be done with winter. We're going to move forward. Okay, and so he's thinking that. But Genesis 40, 23 says, Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph but forgot him. So again, as you read through, and I would encourage you to read this whole story thoroughly, but what you'll find is, is that this guy was excited about him interpreting his dream. And he was going to take care of him as soon as he got out. And the first thing that he did was he forgot about him. And in my mind, what I picture is, I picture Joseph there. He's got his backpack on. He's got his toothbrush in his hand. And he thinks, I'm going back to the high life, the good life. We're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to do this well. It's going to be awesome. And instead, he's forgotten. So as we continue on with the story... In verse 9 of four, uh, chapter 41, says, Then the ch chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my offenses, shortcomings today. So he uh, is processing through that, hey, I remember there was this guy in prison, and he interpreted my dream, and he was 100% accurate. The Pharaoh had had several dreams, and again, not going to get deep into that piece of it. As you read through that, I would encourage you to focus on that. But... He has these dreams, and nobody, nobody can interpret them. And so he gets Joseph there, he interprets the dream, and explains that there will be seven years of incredible harvest, followed by seven years of famine. This allows the Pharaoh to be wise and store up the grain instead of waste it. So the people from all over the land would come and purchase the grain from them. Because of this, Joseph was elevated quickly by the Pharaoh. Okay, and so as we... 
process through that and, and think about it, I want to throw a couple things out there. First of all, his time in prison was, I think, about two years. And so if you think about this, he gets into prison, he interprets this guy's dream, he's thinking, this is my way out, and yet he's got to wait. He's got to wait that two years before he gets out of there and has an opportunity to do what hopefully he's destined to do and follow God's uh, plan for his life. And so uh, as we continue to move forward, Genesis 42, 6 says, now Joseph was governor over the land. So he was elevated all the way to governor over the land. I think somebody said that out here. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves down before him with their faces to the ground. Hmm. Hmm. Back to that original dream. And if you're Joseph, what are you thinking in this moment? Honest assessment. Your brothers betrayed you. Your brothers sold you. Your brothers were going to kill you. Just because you'd shared a dream with them. Something that was laid on your heart. And now here it is. That dream came true. Now the brothers didn't know that at that time. But he did. I don't know about you, if it's me, there's a little piece of me that's sitting there going, mm, I told you guys so. I told you this was going to happen. Okay? But he didn't do that. Now, you can continue to read. Again, I'm going to jump forward in this. But as he uh, um, goes through this process, and I want to point out that this was somewhere in the range of about 20 years after he had last seen his brothers and his dad. 20 years. This is not a short time. Okay? Not a short time at all. And so as uh, we read through this, what you'll find is, is that it really showed his humility and showed his grace in, his, in this situation. And I would say a more mature man. I would say when he was 17, he was probably wearing a coat and bragging about it. And I think in all that time that had passed, he had realized, I just really want to be with my brothers. I really want to be with my dad. And so the story continues on, and we're going to jump forward in this story a whole bunch because he's reunited with his father, and then his father passes away. And again, I would encourage you to read through that. But I want to get into Genesis 50, and this is going to kind of take us into the end here and hopefully challenge us a little bit. Genesis 50, verses 18 through 21. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. They're bowing down a second time now. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring about that many people should be kept alive and as they, as they are today. And this is the key. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Wow. Wow. You know, how awesome is that? That he had an opportunity to put the hammer to his brothers. They sinned against him. They, they did some awful things. And he had all power at that point. And yet what did he do? He loved on them, and he looked at them and said, I will take care of not only you, 
but I will take care of your next generation, which is just absolutely incredible. One of my favorite passages I, I've read a million times, I probably shared it from up here, uh, is Philippians 2, 5 through, uh, 1 through 11. This morning we're going to focus on 5 through 11. And the NIV version says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient, obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at that name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. As we look at that correlation between Joseph's story and this passage here, what we realize is that God is awesome, first of all, and his timing and his plans are perfect. Nothing happened to Joseph that God didn't already know was going to happen. He knew that he was going to be betrayed and sold into slavery. He knew that he was going to be thrown into prison. He knew that he was going to raise him up and put him over the land. And he knew that he was going to care for his brothers and their children. He also knew that Jesus was going to be betrayed. He also knew that he was going to be hung on a cross. He also knew that he was going to rise again and rule over this world. And he knew that he would take care of his children. Nothing is a surprise to God. So as we wrap this up this morning, let's reflect on the four questions that we've hit in each one of this in the wilderness series. And we'll pop them up there on the screen. Why did Joseph enter the wilderness? It's really no fault of his own. Well, maybe just a little with the dreams and the coat. Okay, but really no fault of his own. Number two, what did Joseph learn? He learned to trust God. He learned patience. Think about the amount of time that he spent away from his family, 20, 20 plus years. He learned that it's God's time, not our time. And so what can we learn from Joseph? We need to be patient. We need to be kind. We need to not hold a grudge. And we need to forgive. And ooh, that last one's a little bit hard, isn't it? We need to forgive. We'll come back to that. How did Joseph get out of the wilderness? He trusted and he forgave. And that's a, a key ingredient in this entire story as far as I'm concerned. So I've got some questions for you as we wrap up here this morning. Can we be patient like Joseph? Can we wait? I don't know about you guys, but I sit in a long line waiting for my food and I get impatient. Sit at home for a day or two waiting for a call on a job. Super impatient. We wait for maybe a family member that we've had issues with over the years to take that first step instead of taking that step ourselves. Can we forgive our brothers like Joseph? A couple weeks ago at Men's Intersection, and I know Michelle 
uh, bragged about the numbers at, at uh, Women's Intersection. That's awesome. I love to hear those numbers. Men, uh, I would encourage you, encourage you strongly to come. We had an awesome, awesome speaker uh, about a week and a half ago, and he shared one comment that his dad had made and, and was clear with us. He loved his dad. His dad's a good man. That was not the issue. One comment his dad would make, that made that tore him apart for years. And the struggle that he had with, he opened up his heart to us as men sitting there in that room that night, and it was awesome. And as I was preparing today, I was sitting there processing through the impact of one line that we say to somebody, not even thinking that it's hurtful. And so I would challenge us this week to think about who do we need to forgive? Forget, forgive. Who do we need to connect with this week? Take that first step to make a relationship right. Husbands and wives, are there things that are holding you back from really moving forward together? Brothers and sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, Take an opportunity to make that connection. Make the first step. Don't wait 23 years to make that connection, to make that step. Take that opportunity here soon to make that happen. You know, I've loved this series because it's challenged us to think about our own situation through the light of biblical scenarios. And I love the connection from the Old Testament to the New Testament and our need for a Savior and our need to be able to ask for forgiveness, but to also give forgiveness. This morning, as we complete, uh, contemplate forgiveness, we're going to participate in communion together. Um, prior to being betrayed by one of his disciples, Jesus sat at a table took the bread and broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. He also took the cup and said, this is my blood poured out for many. As often as you eat and drink, do this in remembrance of me. This morning, as you come up to get the elements, we're going to play one of my favorite songs. And this is a song that's pretty special to me and Heather, and uh, I'll explain that some other day. Um, but this is a, a song that was actually, I think, created and taken from the movie Fireproof. And it's called While I'm Waiting. And this morning, as that song is being played and the words are being sung, I would encourage you to, as you do your normal ritual with uh, taking the bread and taking the cup, um, and you do that at your seat, I would encourage you to think about the words, while I am waiting, the words of the song talk about while I'm waiting, I will serve you. While I'm waiting, I will worship you. I will not faint. I will praise even while I wait. Taking every step in obedience. And you think about what we've heard about Noah, what we've heard about Isaac what we've heard about Joseph. Through all of those trials, they were 
thrown out, they were betrayed, they were mocked. Through all that, they were obedient. And this morning, the ultimate example of that in Jesus, he was betrayed, he was mocked, he was hung on a cross because of his own sin? No, because of our sin. And so as we're contemplating that, I just encourage you to listen to those words. And the upside of this is knowing what Christ has done for us and what that means to us in eternity is absolutely awesome. And it is truly a reason to celebrate. It's a solemn moment, but it's also a moment of celebration. So I would encourage you to do that this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the opportunity to come together and worship and just the, the songs that we sung this morning, Lord, just so powerful. And man, are we thankful that there was a fourth in that fire with us. Man, are we thankful that you have laid out these stories in the Bible that we can learn from them and that we can understand that even though we're in the middle of maybe some battles in the middle of the wilderness, that Lord, you're at the end of that tunnel. And everlasting life for those that believe in him is promised. It's absolutely promised in these scriptures, Lord. And we just thank you for everyone here. We thank you for the little ones in the classrooms next door and just what they're being challenged with weekly. Lord, help us to surround them. Help us to grow them up to be strong Christian leaders that, man, this country, this world needs bigger than life, Lord. Lord, we just thank you that you give us the opportunity to serve you and just ask that this week you would help us to maybe restore a relationship. Take the Take the the focus off of us and put it on to you and developing those relationships, Lord, and how we can bring more people to you. Now, again, as we take this communion, just help us not to take this lightly and that we would come to you truly repentant and that we would accept these elements and and just um, reflect on you and what you did for us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So this morning, as the music's going to start playing here in just a second, I would encourage you to come up and get the elements and then um, take them at your seat. This is not uh, a requirement of membership here in this church. What it is, it's a requirement of, of God's church, of Christ's church, being a solid believer and understanding what it is to believe in Christ and, and be a Christian. So thank you. You guys are loved. <laughs>